bow your head. Dear God, we come to you now, and dear Lord, just speak to us. You have a message prepared for each and every one of us. We ask that you just deliver it to us and allow us to hear it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Everybody know who Chuck Norris is, right? And there's like 10 million jokes about Chuck Norris. Like uh, when he does a push-up, he's not pushing himself up. He's pushing the earth away. Okay. What's, what's inside his beard? Another fist. And then he's born on the same day that uh, Nazi Germany officially surrendered. Coincidence. But there's also, like I was saying, like, yeah, you know, you get a Chuck Norris roundhouse kick to the face. I mean, something really struck you hard. So I'm just going to tell you that, um, personally, the sermon roundhouse, Chuck Norris kicked me in the face, all right? Um, I did not like preparing for this, and it might show in my presentation, Okay. So forgive me for being human, and I hope that the point that I'm capable of making a point that I think needs to be made today. Um, we're on, as the screen says, we're traveling to the cross here, okay, and then we're getting to the tomb, so we're making our way through the Easter season here, very special time. Um, Wednesday, Wednesday night, um, I was just kind of there, and then all of a sudden, when we got into certain parts of that service, it really made me emotional. And I was actually kind of for the first time in a long time visualizing and being a part, being a member of that, and it kind of made me visualize and put myself in that situation, all right? And this one does, this sermon did it to me as well. Um, it's the choice, all right? And um, we did a play couple of years ago, pre-COVID, bless you, um, give me Barabbas, right? And then um, David writes that song, um, I was there, so part of the crowd screaming. All right, so we, so let me just do the scripture, okay? So it's out of Matthew 27. It says, but the chief priests and elders, um, and, and here we are, Jesus is, is with Pilate, and, and okay, so they ginned him up and, and arrested him, and they want him killed because he's just too threatening to their power structure, to their way of life, so they've got to get rid of him, okay, he's not stopping, and they've got to get rid of him, There's, this is the only way, and they've got one, it, one little problem is Jews don't have the power or the, the law to, that they can um, do capital punishment, so they got to get permission from the Romans and then have the Romans do it for them. So it says, uh, but chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So we're at the point here where Pilate comes to him and says, you know, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. He sends him to Herod. Herod plays around with him, tries to get him to do a miracle. Jesus just ignores him. He gets frustrated and mad and sends him on and back to Pilate. And Pilate is pretty much like, there's nothing with this guy. But they go to the, to the Passover tradition of releasing one for another. Okay, So it says, the governor asked them and said, 
which of the two do you want me to release to you? So here he is. He's putting it out to them. Okay? Giving them the choice. Right? This morning I want you to put yourself in the audience, in that multitude, okay, who has been persuaded are the chief priests, the elders. They've all done their best job of getting you you know, to say, crucify Jesus Christ. So he asked, which one of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, unanimously, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And I don't know if you've read much about Pilate. Not a nice guy. Not much there to build on, okay? If you're looking for a friendship of a nice guy or something, he's probably not one you would start with. If you're starting a crime family and need people to disappear, he's one of your first interviews, okay? That's the kind of guy he was, all right? But they cried out all the more, saying... As, they, as, as he tries to, to ask them questions, they cry out the more, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult or a, you know, a big uprising was getting ready to happen, he goes over and does the famous water on his hands, washes his hands before the multitude, and he says, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, saying this person's innocent, but we're going to put him to death. And you see to it, and all the people answered and said, his blood on us and our children. Okay, So that's how confident they were in their decision at that time. That's how worked up they had been. And then it says, then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Okay? So, here's the question this morning. How would we choose if we had been in the multitude? Because it's very easy to read this and to say, could they not see Jesus was innocent? You know, and Barabbas, he was already in there. Okay? So, let's just kind of work through this. Who was Barabbas? Okay. First thing I want to lay out and make sure that, because anytime I get up to preach, make sure that the message of the gospel is preached. And this is an illustration of, this very choice is an illustration of the gospel. Okay. It's the innocent taking the place of the guilty and the innocent taking the punishment of the guilty so that the guilty can go free. That's the gospel, right? Amen? Jesus Christ took our place. So at one time we were Barabbas, right? So he takes our place so that we may go free. Okay, so this choice is just, it is the very message of the gospel. So that's point number one. And here's the other thing. This choice, when you read, the context, read it in context of what's going on then, then um, it kind of starts 
to get a little more difficult. And you understand why it wasn't just a clear-cut, you know, like they took Barabbas instead, you know, and let's work through that, all right? Yes, the Bible does say that he was a convicted murderer, robber, and an insurrectionist. All right, so let's talk about that. Here we have two men standing there. You have Barabbas, who is in prison, and he's therefore killing in insurrection. So he has started up a bunch of guys, and they have stormed and tried to take over, the, the, kick the Romans out, try to get an insurrection going against the Romans. They've taken, he's taken up arms against the Romans, and he has taken blood, he's killed people, and he's gotten arrested for it, been charged with it, he's found guilty, okay? And it says there that now at the feast he was custom to release him one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. So he, there he is inside the jailhouse, chained with his guys who had this uprising. They had committed murder in the rebellion. So as they tried to kick the Romans out and take, the, take over, they spilled blood. All right? Now let's take Jesus. And Jesus is brought in, and he's questioned by Pilate. And he's asked, you know, like, are you a king? You know, and let's look what he says. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And then Jesus answers, you're right pleased to say that I am a king. All right. So here we have Jesus who basically is not going to physically take up for himself. He's not going to fight. He's coming in with a totally different kind of paradigm, a totally different kind of revolution, a total different kind of understanding of what power really is. Right. In fact, he says, this is why I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. So basically, he's painting it. You either learn the truth, or you, pick, or you fall into the Barabbas trap. Okay? And what does the Bible say about, to those who are unsaved, what does the gospel sound like? Foolishness. Absolute foolishness, because in a world where we love our power, we flex our power, we work on our power, we continue to work on that, and then you have someone else who comes in and says, if you want to be powerful, be a slave, serve your fellow man, give up your own will, okay? Don't have any selfish ambition. Do what I ask you to do. In fact, when the Roman soldier said, pick my stuff up and carry it a mile, carry it two miles. Okay? When you're lied about, when people are out to get you, what's he say? Pray for them 
And not only pray for them, but pray that good things happen to them, that they be blessed. So you see, you have one who's asking us to change our whole identity, to change who we are and the things that drive us. And then you have another one who kind of represents when we really get motivated and, and, you know, and, and it comes time to you know, get the blood pumping through your veins and take up arms. That's our guy right there. He's the guy that will do it. In fact, he's done it before, right? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have, here we have a guy, he is basically saying that if you don't understand this truth or accept this truth, then there's no way to get to heaven. So he limits the scope. And now we have these Sadducees, we have these Pharisees who hear that. And now that removes them from the process. And let's think about culture in that day. All right. The Roman culture, it was senators, rich people. If you had horses, you were a very powerful family. All right. And if you were of that upper crust, then you dressed alike so that you could be identified as, I'm from the upper crust. And if you were a politician, you wore the clothing of a politician. And then we went all the way down, and even the slaves, they wore, um, you know, different levels. Because if one of them was free but decided to stay under the service of their master, you know, had an earring with a stick through it. So there was all these identifying things. Everything within the Roman culture puts you on a level. And you think about their military, how they put it through, all right? And so here we have Jesus who comes in and says, I don't want any kind of, any kind of label on anybody. You want to be the greatest? Forget everything about that. Identify your weaknesses, understand your weaknesses, and then give me your life, and I will show you strength through your weaknesses. Okay? Not live a life in weakness, but live a, a life where power comes through your weakness. But not by you, but by Jesus Christ. And let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you this, okay? And, and this isn't an original thought of Aaron Phelps's, okay? But if you were asked to tell your story of being saved, and you said, I, in, in, in any part of that, I say, Aaron, I did this, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because it's all about Jesus Christ. Surrendering it all to Jesus Christ. And so that's the choices that are standing there. You have a guy who is not even taken up for himself. He's not presenting a defense. He's answering most questions with a question. But he's saying, come to me and give me your life. And I'll, you know, I'll teach about service, about sacrifice, about suffering. And then you have the other guy over there who's like, set me free and I'll find some swords and we'll get it going again, okay? 
because I've been chained up and have been in a fight in a long time, ready to go. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing going on there. And what I find myself when I was reading through this is that I stand up here and preach all the time about love and about my life being a reflective of Jesus Christ. But my first ten initial reactions fall into the Barabbas trap of, well, let's do this and let's do that. And I'll show them. And then I have to stop myself and say, I have now, I'm, I'm reflective more of Barabbas in my life than I am of Jesus Christ in my life. Now you know why I didn't want to do the sermon, right? So let's look at the Israelites and Romans were kingdoms of long military and ideological histories. They fought and hated each other, and their power was determined by their, by their physical might. And Barabbas, he was the ideal character who had been involved in physical battle against the Romans. So when we look at this choice, 2,000 and something years ago, it's easy for us to say, like, how could they choose Barabbas? But then when you get down in the middle of it, and you don't even know what's going on here, sometimes even today, our lives are more reflective of Barabbas than it is of Jesus Christ. And it's because of this kind of stuff right here. Because of who we are as humans. And it's easier to show power through force than it is to show power through weakness. All right? So, the best way I can sum this up is what Jesus Christ is saying. It's my most favorite chapter in the whole Bible, Philippians 2. And it says, Therefore, if you find anything good in Christ, I'm going to paraphrase it here for you, okay? Put it in Aaron language. If you find any kind of comfort with your fellowship as you come together in a family that draws you together, the thing that is drawing you together is the Holy Spirit making you a family, a church family, correct? Right? Amen? You guys still with me? Okay. So if you can find anything good about that, any affection, any love, any mercy, fulfill my joy. So if you want to make... Um, make them happy. Be like-minded, which means be all in on the same purpose. No selfish ambition. No selfish agenda. Nobody working for self, all right? So we're here. We're here to give of each other and to love each other. If somebody does well, we celebrate it. If somebody falls down, we pick them up. We, if there's correction that needs to be involved, we provide that. But we provide them support, we dust them off, and we help move them forward in a very productive, progressive way, right? And it says, being of one accord, one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, okay? But in loneliness of mind, you can't think yourself better than anybody else. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Is anyone innocent of that, thinking you're not better than anybody else? I'm guilty of it all the time. I drive down the street and you see somebody and you think, I'm like the Pharisee. Dear God, thank you that I'm not like this widow beside me here. 
I mean, you, you say those prayers, right? And I think, I, I'm, I'm better than that. But guess what? Without Jesus Christ flowing through me, I'm not. I'm not. And it says, uh, let each of you look out for not only his own interests, but also for the interests of others coming together, coming together. And it says, let you have the mind, the same mindset that Christ had. And here it was. He is equal to God still to this day. But he didn't consider it an insult when being equal to God, he had to lower himself. He had to give up or surrender his rights. He didn't express his rights so that he could become man and serve and sacrifice to the point of death. Because you know that the angels of heaven were ready to go the day that Jesus Christ got crucified. They were lined up, ready to go. One little blink, one little breath, they're there, and they would have wiped. Man, wouldn't you love to preach that sermon? That's the sermon I want to preach. You know why? Because I'm more like Barabbas over here about taking that, you know, here, here they came, and it was one swing. Michael was, that's, that's awesome sermon, right? Try selling this stuff. No, I'm kidding. All right, but this, this requires a lot out of you. This is hard work over here. Giving up, just giving up yourself, that's hard. Because you want to jump back over here on the Barabbas side of it and go, I want to do this, I'm tired of that. But we're called to reflect this life and to be this side and to be Christians and to serve and to sacrifice with stewardship as God blesses us. All right? And it says that he had no reputation taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man. He humbled himself even to the point of death. And then here's the other one. It says, and throughout this whole thing, you have the disciples who are constantly talking about who's the most powerful, who's the most impressive. Right? Jesus doesn't want any of that. In fact, he took, you know, in, in the church at the time, you had the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the high council. Then you had, you know, all this other stuff coming down, trickling down. And then he says, no, turn that upside down. He says, if you know, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and, are great, and they have the great ability to exercise authority, yet still there's so many... Um, Yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great, let him be your servant. Serve, and whoever to be, um, desires to be first, let him be your slave. And this is why, because this is who we're asked to reflect. The Son of Man, who did not come to be served, but came to serve, to give his life to the point of death, the worst kind of death, the most humiliating kind of death, crucifixion. And it says, but do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth father, for one is your father, he is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, one is your teacher, the Christ, but he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. 
I'm a, I'm a, I had to dumb this down for me, okay? This is what this means. There's not anyone here up on the stage, up in the crow's nest, or anybody here that is more important than anyone else. Okay? Now, there's two kinds of churches. There are churches that believe and practice that, and then there are churches that don't. Right? We need to make sure that we're the church that believes and practices that. And it doesn't matter who walks through that door and what kind of state they're in. Just remember, Jesus Christ died for them as much as he died for us. Okay? Because otherwise, guess where we're standing? In the Barabbas trap. All right? And we're feeding humans. Because, here, let me just say this, all right? I'm going kind of long today, aren't I? I'm sorry. In, in, in this world today, and I asked my Sunday school class this, and it was unanimous. Has the church influenced culture, or has culture influenced the church? Might be a tie. I know that the church is changing for culture. Because sometimes this message is tough, okay? But here's the deal, is we have people that are, have, are growing up, and they have grown up, and here's what they've been taught. Be a good person. Do your best. And if you want to sprinkle in God and Jesus in that, that's good. Won't do you any harm, okay? And the more you kind of sprinkle that in... You know, the better, as long as you don't get too radical, right? But if you're being a good person and, you know, and, and you try to treat people good, but you have, you want to throw in some God and Jesus on that, good. And then guess what happens? The tough times hit, the rain comes, and they have built their house upon sand, and it falls apart. Because they have never been taught the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a gospel of you give of yourself, you die daily, and then you pick up the cross. You pick up what Jesus Christ has put into your life. So, why are people walking away from the church? Well, what's our, what's our response? To blame them. But guess what? It might be my side of the aisle, and we have failed them because we're worried about numbers or worried about running people off. <laughs> Jesus worry about that? What do he say? Dust the, the sand off your shoes and roll. Not everyone's going to respond well to this. Okay? So how do we choose Jesus? Jesus called 12 men to be his disciple. Okay? That's a two-way street. You guys have been called. Whether you like it or not, or whether you believe it or not, you have been called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and you have a ministry. Only you can do the ministry the way that you do it. When you're here with us doing it, we're a better church. When you're not, we're not the same church. Okay? If you need help finding that, there's some very um, spiritually smart people here 
that can help you find that and work through that, and you'll probably build a relationship that will last you for the rest of your life. Because Jesus spent time with his disciples, and, the disciple, and they became his disciples through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. You have to devote time to Jesus Christ every day. Can't shortcut it. Jesus said, get rid of your personal agenda, be a servant for others, and prepare to suffer. If you're getting preached something about this is going to increase automatically and you're just going to have joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Okay? All right. There is costs to this life. You will suffer. Okay? I'm just being straight up with you. If you do it right, you're going to suffer. It's going to be rough. Jesus gave to the point of death. So guess what? Get ready to give. You're going to be asked to give and serve. Jesus used explanation as a minor part of his teaching methods. You know how the majority of his teaching was? By demonstration. Oh, Lord, don't you hate it when kids do something and, it, and you know that came from you and you and your spouse are looking at each other like, is that you? He learned that from you or me? Like, that's all me? Yeah, okay. But the gospel needs to be demonstrated. It needs to be mentored. And we have to start demonstrating the true gospel in our lives. Jesus prepared his disciples to be his hands and feet. Serve. You know what? And here's the, here's the other thing. Some people don't, may not know how to serve. It's our job to help them. It's our job to help them get in contact with and be able to understand what the Holy Spirit is telling them. Jesus was a mentoring teacher. And here's the thing. Here's a wonderful thing about Jesus Christ, and this is something that we need to make sure that we apply in our lives, is that he restored everyone. Okay? Peter, he did not leave him swinging. What did he do? He forgave him for every time. Not just a blanket forgivable, but for every time he denied him, he forgave him. And then Jesus mandates that we produce more disciples. It's our job. So how would you choose this morning? I know, it's a tough question. I did not like, I did not like preparing this sermon. It made me come face to face with who I am every day. And it made me come face to face with sometimes how I react to things or maybe my initial beginnings of how I treat people or start things. Um, this walk is tough. But here's the thing, you don't do it alone. Okay, you don't do it alone. And what I mean by that, Jesus is always there. Never leave you, never forsake you. Can't be separated from his love. That's his promise. He will always be there. You see those stories in the Bible when guys are going through some rough times. Jesus is right there with them. He'll be right there with you through the whole time. And then here's the other thing. If you do family right, yeah, you may pick and, and fight and, and 
get on each other's nerves. But if you do family right, they'll be there for you. Okay? And here's the other thing. Church family. Church family. We don't come together. I, I, I mean this. We don't come together like family. We come together as family. As blood. Because that's the way that Jesus Christ accepts us. So, a little bit tougher message today. I can't apologize for it. This is the gospel. Ask yourself. Ask yourself this this morning. And take a hard look at yourself this week. Who reflects more in your life? And it may be different times, different reactions. That's healthy to figure that stuff out, okay? You find yourself over here with Barabbas or over here with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142, Eldorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.